0: Mr. Xavier Reese explains the simple truths of God who became man. John the Baptist told his disciples,
1: Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world in John 1.29. Every hero that heard that understood and they got this vision in their mind. A little goat or sheep for their sacrifice, tying them to a pole, laying hands on the head, taking a knife, cutting its throat, and that person looking down and knowing that that animal was innocent and he died in their place.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. This passage from Isaiah 53 confirms that Jesus' death on the cross was not only prophesied of, but at the heart of God's divine plan for the atonement of sin. Coming up, Pastor Xavier draws our simple truth study for today from Luke's gospel account of the ultimate sacrifice of God's Son on our behalf. Let's listen.
1: The prophetic hour that our Lord Jesus had mentioned often in the gospel of John has been going on for nearly 34 hours, the hour. Though he knew from all eternity about it, there came a time when Jesus took on a human body and began to walk on his journey towards the cross. His ministry of three and a half years, being over now, and the very hours at hand here, he went through the amazing agony, as you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, physically, emotionally and spiritually. By the time Jesus had been crucified at nine in the morning, he had been up all the day before. All that night, about 28 hours plus six on the cross, he had been taken to Annas and beaten, John 18, 13. He had been taken to Caiaphas and also beaten, plus interrogated on both of those religious trials in Mark 14, 65. He had been taken to Pilate, sent to Herod, and then back to Pilate. He was questioned three times. Condemned to die by crucifixion, and then scourged with the cat of nine tails. Leather thongs extending, bone, metal, glass at the end. Thirteen lashes on the right, thirteen lashes on the left, thirteen across the shoulders. The metal, the glass, the bone would insert deep and tear flesh, sinew, muscle. Lungs would be exposed. Few people would survive that lashing. The first three hours from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., the wrath of man had been hurled at Jesus. And he uttered his first three sayings, focusing on others, quite different from any other human being. He prayed that God would forgive his enemies in the first saying in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He assured the thief on the cross that He would be with him in paradise that very day in the second saying in Luke 23, 43. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He entrusted the care of his mother to John in the third saying in John 19, 25 through 27. Woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. The last three hours, Jesus uttered his last four sayings focusing on himself as the wrath of God was poured out on him. He cried out in agony over the separation of the fellowship between himself and the Father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Matthew 27, 46. He expressed his horrible thirst, both physically and spiritually. In John 19, 28, I thirst. And he proclaimed victory over soul, It is finished at John 19, 29 and 30. In this last saying, the seventh saying, Jesus expressed his joyful dismissal of his spirit to the Father. Luke 23, 46, listen. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last The seventh saying of Jesus from the cross regards his death, which is characterized by three things. First, the loving relation, Father. Second, the trusting expression, into your hands. Thirdly, the willing submission, I commend my spirit. The loving relationship is the foundational one, Father. Jesus was consciously aware that he was speaking to his Father and not hallucinating like many people profess. He was not out of control when he expressed, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But declared the very same due to the fact that he had been separated from the Father for the first time from all eternity. In a way that you and I have no understanding or comprehension to its full end or ever will on this side of heaven, as He became sin for us, because God is holy, He cannot look upon sin. He must judge sin. This is made very clear in Matthew 27:46. He was not drugged with the wine that was customarily given to crucified individuals to relieve some of the pain, though it was very little that it relieved. Jesus refused this in Mark 15, 23. So in effect, he took the brunt of all the pain that goes along with crucifixion, which is one of the cruelest way and the most horrible way to die. He was very aware throughout his time on the cross and at the point of his mission that it had been accomplished. Having said, it is finished, which was the assessment of the accomplished goal. In John 19.30. What God purpose he accomplished. It wasn't just a religious monument. Or a religious act. Notice Jesus was crying out prophetically. He cried with a loud voice to his father. The quote is from Psalm 31.5. Which expresses confidence in God's deliverance. But the word father. Is substituted by Jesus for the phrase the Lord Yahweh Elohim of truth, because Jesus was interpreting and saying, this was the prophetic prophecy of me as I'm on the cross. He's the author of his word. (laughs) The word loud means great, and it's used of intensity in its degrees with great effort of the affections and emotions, in this case, declaring the prophetic accomplishment. Kind of a satisfaction, if you will, if you've ever worked hard towards a goal and you've gone one objective after the other. And when you finally cross that line, it's sort of a relief to an extent. This is the idea. The word is the same one Jesus used calling Lazarus out from the grave in John eleven forty three with a loud voice. Notice this day and time had been foretold from before the fall of Adam and Eve. God knew Adam and Eve would fail. He gave them. The prophecy of the virgin birth, the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15. There would be a temporal wound to the heel of Jesus, the cross, but temporal. There would be a a crushing of the authority of Satan, his head, destruction. God gave them a free will to exercise in obedience or disobedience in the garden in order to demonstrate their love for God in Genesis 2.16 and 17. Because God never forces you to do anything. He never forces you to go to heaven. And he certainly never forces you to go to hell. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, God is here to knock on the door of your heart to let you know how much he loves you and that he died for you and that you're headed for hell. But you don't have to go there. You can call on his name and be saved. This is the love of God that we don't understand. There was no other person involved in the work of salvation but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at the cross. The Father is the source. The Son is the channel. The Holy Spirit is the agent in salvation, working in harmony as one to bring us to Christ. Notice Jesus was communing with his Father. This relationship had always existed from all eternity, as I said. God is eternal and has always existed. People always say, well, who created God? Well, nobody. The Bible says. If you believe Genesis 1, then you have no problem with the world. You understand it perfectly. You understand why there's evil. You understand why people do the things they do. You can understand the creation that has fallen. But if you reject the record of God in Genesis 1 and 2, then you have to be clever to invent a system to explain our world as it is. And then now you've got a bigger problem. You've got to explain where evil comes from. And if you believe that man is good, where's the evidence coming from when all history of man says man is bad news? So if you accept the record of God, the world makes perfect sense. God had conversations with the Trinity since the beginning of time, and we've known it. In Genesis 1, he says, let us make man in our image, a plural pronoun. God wasn't speaking to the horny toads and lizards. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our image. We're creating the image and likeness of God. You are technically a spirit being, the real you, the real me. He's giving you this body to communicate, as we'll see as we move on. But the real you is spirit. The relationship was altered, at the incarnation of the Son. Eternal fellowship, yet it was altered. The fellowship that existed from the beginning is given to us in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word. And then in verse 14, the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. Something changed there. Something happened. Jesus left His abode and came to earth in the incarnation. The Son, who was God, took on flesh. At a set day, right on time, Galatians 4.4 4 says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth, made of a woman, under the law. He sent forth his son. Now, if he came the first time, fulfilling over 300 prophecies, many of them as he's on the cross, what would give you any inclination to think that he's not going to fulfill the rest? And right on time. People mock the second coming of Christ. All oh, you guys have been saying that since my grandma's day. Well, be patient. He's coming. He's not tardy. He never has been. The relationship was interrupted as he became sin for the world on the cross. You remember John the Baptist told his disciples as they told him that more people were going to Jesus. And he said that he was sent to send them to Jesus. He said, behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world in John one twenty nine, Every hearer that heard that understood and they got this vision in their mind. A person bringing a little goat or sheep, whatever the requirement for their sacrifice, tying them to a pole, laying hands on the head, taking a knife, cutting its throat, that animal hitting the ground. And that person looking down and knowing that that animal was innocent and he died in their place. God schooled the Jews for 2,000 years and they missed their Messiah. Jesus was now in fellowship again with the Father, As the wrath was poured out, he was separated from the Father. Now the wrath's over. He's in fellowship with God again, the Father. But he's still here on earth. The atonement was accomplished at the cross, not in Hades, as so many teach today in the positive confession movement. That's blasphemous. If you believe Jesus went down to Hades... To finish the atonement and the payment made to Satan, that's blasphemous. The fall was disobedience against the Father in the garden. The payment was made to the Father, and it was finished at the cross. That's another gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Wow. Who who do you think got the best deal on that? (laughs) Amazing. The relationship was now restored since the Father's wrath had already been poured out on the Son and atonement had been made. Jesus fulfilled the propitious requirement to satisfy God's wrath for the entire world. 1 John 2 2 says, and he is the propitiation for our sins, the believer." And not only our sins, but the whole world. You see, if Jesus was the propitiation for the whole world, that means the whole world has a potential to be saved. You cannot believe in the chosen frozen mentality that God only elected and chose the few to be saved and damned the rest. You'll never find it in the Bible. Jesus was now in fellowship with the Father. There was darkness, as you know, from 12 noon, till 3 p.m., yet it was full moon. It couldn't have been an eclipse. You can't explain it naturally. The veil was rent in the temple. By the way, it was from the top to the bottom, and men would have ripped it. It would have been from the bottom to the top. Evidence that the new and living way had been made into heaven, Hebrews 10, 20. The relationship was also to cry, and the cry of Oneness. Jesus said, I and the Father are one in John 10, 30. Jesus at Gethsemane said, not my will, but your will be done, Matthew 26, 39. And the Father declared that he speaks through the, his dear Son in these last days in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God who at different times and in diverse manners spoken times past through the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us through his Son, Jesus Christ, nobody else. Allah cannot save you. Krishna cannot save you. Peter cannot save you. The Pope cannot save you. You certainly cannot save yourself. Only Jesus Christ. God is very narrow-minded. The loving relationship is revealed by the word Father. Notice secondly comes the trusting expression, into your hands. Jesus was declaring his complete confidence in the Father, listen, at death. The death of Jesus was real. He actually died just as he actually hungered, thirsted, tired, slept, bled, just according to the gospel. Don't believe that he fainted according to the Passover plot, which is a complete lie. The death of Jesus was confirmed by the soldiers who examined the other two Malfactors in John 1933 The death of Jesus caused Pilate to marvel that he had already died in Mark 1544. The death of Jesus is attested in all four gospels. In fact, his death is crucial because the death was the payment. The resurrection is the receipt of guarantee that the payment was accepted. paid in full. The death of Jesus was the most unnatural of all things, said G. Campbell Morgan, and I quote him here. The death of Jesus was unnatural. That is to say, it was out of the true order of human life according to the economy of God. Death is the outcome of sin. Jesus was sinless. You remember being small, and your dad or your mom maybe gave you a spanking when you really didn't deserve it, they were mistaken but you know you deserved it anyway because you escape other times when you did deserve it <laughs> our inclination is towards darkness our inclination is to lie our inclination is to blame somebody else jesus had no sin the greatest injustice that ever happened on this earth the body of jesus was petitioned by joseph arimathea as you know and he buried him in a borrowed tomb in luke 23:53 he only needed it for three days, no big deal. The confidence of Jesus in the Father at death was only the result of his daily confidence throughout his life and ministry, though. My confidence at death as the Lord tarries will be the sole result and product of the process of daily fellowship with God. The problem is too many people want to live like the devil and die like a saint, Listen to me carefully. You will die just like you live. You must walk with God daily. You'll do well at death. Guaranteed. When he was 12 years old, you know that he told Mary and Joseph as he stayed behind in the temple, questioning the doctors, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, I just flicked a channel the other day for O'Reilly's Killing Jesus. I only saw a minute and I turned it off because Jesus presented himself as being confused. Why am I here? I don't know. I, I have a mission. Now hear me. Well, God will use anything to save people and he will. But for us to not point out the unscriptural aspects of movies that are made is wrong. The number one problem in America, ladies and gentlemen, is the pulpits of America that have sold themselves out to ecumenicalism and abandoned the scriptures. We don't want to make judgments. We don't want to offend people. Listen to me. Some of us need to be offended. When Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount, he used the word Father 16 times, averaging 5.3 times each chapter. Five, six, and seven, three chapters. When he spoke to his disciples the last night about his leaving and going to the Father, Jesus mentioned the Father 54 times, averaging 13.5 times each chapter of John, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Do you think Jesus loved the Father and was looking forward to be with the Father again? You ever been away from your wife, your husband, your children for a while? And they're waiting for you at the airport or a train station something. Great reunions, right? This was the Lord. He knew he was going home. Jesus was declaring his complete confidence in the Father to raise him from the dead. Death is not the end of life, as you know, as we know it. The philosophy of the here and now and nothing thereafter is a convenient lie for those who believe they will not have to give an account to a creator. Right now, it sounds good, but not thereafter. Oh, what men and women would give in hell right now to sit in your place to hear the gospel one more time, what they would give. Death is a transition from the temporal to the eternal. Those who die in Christ are instantly present before the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. He says, twice you're never found naked. People say, well, but that was Jesus, he was God. But he empowers us, he enables us, he never asks us to do something that he himself had not done. So you have Stephen who is being stoned to death and as he's being stoned to death, he calls upon God, says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he says this confidently in Acts seven fifty nine. Jesus did it from the cross, Stephen did it there. And so I have many believers throughout church history. Those who die apart from Christ, are instantly present in hell and torments, and none of us as Christians should ever say that with any content or joy, but with a broken heart. And when a person is judged at the white throne judgment, then they are judged for all their sins, and for all eternity, they are sentenced by Jesus Christ. At that day, no one will give him any information. No one will say, wait, 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 there's a guy who can stand up for me. Or, or I've got something you missed Mm-mm. Jesus was declaring his complete confidence in the father's plan to crucify his son for the sins of the world by his determined purpose and foreknowledge. Acts 2.23 tells us that so the father crucified his son from before the world began in his plan he lives in an eternal presence We live in a chronological linear time, past, present, and future. The Father did it to make only one way for man to be redeemed. The Father did it in full recognition of what it would cost him and his son. Because he loves you. It was the only way to atone for you and for me.
0: Pastor Xavier reminding us with today's Simple Truth Study the impact of Jesus hanging on that cross for you and for me. Now you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again anytime by way of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com Now we need to let you know there's much more to this message to come next time as well. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in you can always pick up a copy of this message and the title to ask for is Coming Home it's available on CD for only $4. Having your own copy makes a convenient way to share the meaning of Good Friday with someone else you may know. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Coming Home. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 800- Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Some prices are so high, they're only paid in blood. More about the one who shed his blood for you on the next Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com